Hi, welcome to our podcast, It's Your Water, episode number three. Topic for today is oxidation and filtration. Sounds like fun, Mike. So why don't we uh, get right into it? Tell us about oxidation and filtration. Seems like there's always a lot of questions around that. Yeah, as we get into the water treatment lessons here at this podcast, you know, a lot of it is some promotion, but most of it is, you know, clarifying you know, the technologies out there. And one that besides ion exchange, which is, you know, probably the primary use of water filtration, but it's not filtration, but treatment. The other most popular is oxidation and filtration. It's used quite extensively to reduce odors like hydrogen sulfide and iron and manganese in water. And, you know, that's, that's, basically uh, another big tool in our toolbox. How do we apply it? You mentioned it's iron, manganese. How do you go about using it? I mean, do yeah, you oxidation. insert air or what do we do? Well, there's oxidation and filtration, some basics here. Again, we're talking about potable water and mostly it's oxidation filtration is going to be used to treat well water in homes or businesses that are have high amounts of combination of iron, hydrogen sulfide, that sulfur, rotten egg smell, and manganese. Manganese is a little bit trickier, but iron and hydrogen sulfide also react well to oxidation and filtration. And so there are a lot of different methods. First would be, the most popular would be injecting with a chemical feed pump some sort of oxidant. So what's an oxidant? Well, we all know chlorine. Chlorine, hydrogen peroxide, that's become real popular. Ozone uh, is, uh, we're going to discuss all these. Ozone's a little more finicky. And did I say potassium permanganate? Potassium permanganate's purple. It was very popular in the 80s, but it's a mess. It's It's this purple dye that basically it's just because it's purple is a high manganese content but it was a very good oxidizer but it was extremely messy could you imagine a malfunction and your whole water turns grape juice purple it wasn't popular after that and to a lesser degree bromine which is more for pools you know you wouldn't really have that in your house drinking water iodine that was uh long it's also one of fell out of favor since because if you overfed it it would become a i think a thyroid issue so and then there's ones off the spectrum that we don't even get involved with and then there's hydroxyl radicals and they went out in the 60s because, you know, they were the radical movement then. But, yeah, uh, you're you right. Know, the right, hydroxyl right, radicals. Right. Um, but They were that, really psychedelic. I yeah, they were psychedelic, yeah. yeah okay. But they're, they're actually two to two and a half times the power of uh, potential power, which is a very, very, won't confuse you with science. But then uh, your baseline is really chlorine because everybody knows chlorine. Household bleach is 6.25% commercial available chlorine that we use is 12 and a half percent you know we'll we'll run through that there's two different types of chlorines and one chlorine if you're using a pool type chlorine can cause problems because if you get it from a a local supplier it may have a biocide in there (laughs) for pools that's not good 
Yeah, um, we don't recommend that. That's that's really the menu, and you know we can run through just to review again that what we're going to use out there discuss is ozone, hydrogen peroxide, not much potassium permanganate because that went the way of you know it's just been out of favor. Chlorine. So there are they're going to be the most popular because they're commercially available. You can buy them, and in, uh, in the innovations that that we found. Iron reacts well to oxidation, and how it works basically is a chemical feed pump. You feed proportionally to water flow. You know, don't get you involved with all the mechanics, but there's a you know a couple of good ways to do it. Then you have a little feed pump that's feeding a diluted chlorine solution, with, and it pumps it, little, little tiny little squirts of chlorine, and that chlorine is an oxidizer. What it does is it reacts with the iron and turns it into a filtrable iron, which is it changes its valence from two to three. Just to clarify, it goes from you're not able to see it to suddenly you can see it. Yeah, so if you want to do an experiment, if you have iron in your water, you could sit that out on the draw your water. It looks clear, but second it's in your uh, toilet bowl and it sits in contacts oxygen or in a glass, it rusts. So what did it do? It reacted with the natural oxygen in the water. So when it reacts with the natural oxygen in the water, you change its structure, its ionic charge, and now you can see it. So when you can see it, you can filter it. So what we do is we are interested with oxidation and filtration. So we force the oxidation. So how do we do that? Well, with our chemicals that we spoke about. And we use different flavors of chemicals, and we figure which one is best suited. And now Denise had asked, what species of iron? Which is a very good question because iron, there's a bacteria that is a non-pathogenic. It's basically a, you know, a waterborne aerobic bacteria that feeds on iron. And when it gets big and fat, it turns into a big jellyfish, a big gelatinous slime ball that clogs up pump impellers and water. You, if you have, people are probably alarmed. Oh my gosh, how do I know? Well, again, here's the toilet tank. It's a perfect breeding ground for oxidation, not filtration. So you lift up your toilet bowl, your lid, your tank lid, and you see a big gelatinous mess in there. And the blob's get, growing. The blob is growing, yeah. So that material will react to certain oxidizers, like peroxide would feed it, because peroxide is actually supercharged liquid oxygen. People think it's a chemical, it's peroxide, it's you know something we put on cuts. But peroxide is just basically oxygen and water, and the oxygen is held until it chemically reacts, and then the oxygen is liberated from the water and it now just turns into pure oxygen. But back to the iron species, chlorine is a very good sanitizer. It's a hypochlorous acid, so it kind of wants to hang out and cling to the bacteria and it basically burns the little buggers up. But you need, you know, a lot more chlorine than you would, say, a higher oxidizer like ozone or even peroxide. I said don't use peroxide, but 
chlorine is a little bit weaker on the potential. So it's down, it has a weaker oxidizing potential, but it has a better sanitizing potential. So, you know, these are all the things that professionals teach you. But the lesson here is don't apply peroxide to iron bacteria or sulfur bacteria. Anything that has the slime in the toilet tank or if you cut a pipe in half and you notice you can swab in there and it's like mud. Or the pipe is now was a dime size hole and it's down to a size of a lead pencil because the iron actually grows inside the pipe and clogs it up because it's feeding, this bacteria is feeding off of the iron that's there as food. So we're not going to use oxidation and filtration if we have iron bacteria. We're just going to use it if we're dealing with... No, if you have iron bacteria, yes, you have to oxidize. You're going to oxidize it, but you'd need a bigger retention tank. Higher dose, bigger tank retention tank you almost have to have a big vessel in your basement so the water has time to sit and react with the chemicals Mm -hmm. oxidation and filtration is very reactive time reactive so you need it's not an instantaneous thing mostly mostly it's something that needs time to sit and react so it's very important that design features it's a delicate process so it really has to be done right and it chemically has to be chosen but one of the big mistakes is uh, that people use the wrong chemical to treat so that would bring us to we have iron bacteria with different species you have sulfur bacteria hydrosulfide also as a black slime and the other iron bacteria tends to be a clear gelatinous slime and both need chlorine to, so, to treat it. Can I can I just ask for some clarification here? If you have oxidation and filtration, if you're trying to get rid of the iron, you don't always have iron bacteria. You're just saying to look for it. In the event it's there, then we treat it. But if it's just if there's no bacteria growing, we just are using oxidation to bring the iron out of out of solution then and then you filter it. Then you filter it. And that's the next key is what do I filter it with? So it really depends, but there's a lot of filtration media that actually use hydrogen peroxide and chlorine and ozone as fuel. And you'll say, what do you mean fuel? Well, there's an action and reaction in chemistry. When you oxidize, you rob oxygen from your filtration media, if it can utilize oxygen. So to perpetuate the reaction, so it's oxidizing and reducing, oxidizing and reducing. Well, what's it using as its fuel? Well, it's using the chlorine or oxygen or ozone or just regular you know, air to perpetuate the reaction on the media that's in your filter tank. So your filter tank now grabs all this material properly sized. We with a podcast, we don't want to go into our cast here. Properly sized for your well pump. Make sure because these medias are heavy. They're sand based. And so they need a good flushing. So that's where the backwash comes in. You need a strong well to be able to flush the material that they chlorine oxidized. And so it's a perpetual reaction you inject your chemical, 
turn the structure of the iron or sulfur to a solid. You filter it out. Then it loads up in your filter. And just like a pool filter, which you would manually go over and flush, this has an automatic timer. And it automatically times at 2 a.m. mostly when everybody's sleeping. And it cleans the tank, flushes the sand. But if the chemical feed pump broke, or if you don't have enough oxygen, or if you listen to somebody who said, we have something chemical-free. There's no free lunch. There is no chemical-free filter media. And I don't care how controversial people get all upset. There isn't because you have a action and a reaction. So there's only so much fuel in the, the substrate media you're using. So if you can imagine that in your head, that there is a reaction of coming in this iron, being attached to the media, and the media actually has little, you know, sites that can hold the oxygen. And these sites will soon burn out because they can't oxidize anymore. The reaction basically is lessened because it's not enough fuel. And ultimately, any oxidation media out there sold will die an untimely death unless it has naturally occurring oxygen, oxygen fed in, ozone, permanganate, chlorine, peroxide to perpetuate the reaction. What innovations do we have in well, this field? I'm, I mean, one thing that I did want to ask you, what types of media do you recommend for this, this action and reaction? Well, there's a lot of types out there, but most of them are manganese dioxide based. And you say, wait a minute. Then you say you're trying to remove manganese. What if you have manganese already on this media? Actually, it acts as a host. And when you have the proper, you know, chemical going in oxidant, it actually adheres and grows the manganese on the manganese dioxide. So it's a very neat chemical reaction that happens within the bed. But so manganese dioxide-based medias, they, they run the gamut. It's how much manganese dioxide is attached to the media. We just say, well, why don't we just use 100% manganese dioxide? We'll just have this great engine of oxidation. Well, problem is it weighs too much, and your well pump can't do the job. Your well pump can't purge. Remember I said backwash? Uh so when these things load up with all that iron and gunk from your well, you better be able to lift that bed at least 40 to 40% 40 minimum. And what I mean by lifting it, it's a backwash in a fiberglass tank, and this tank is a vessel that holds it, and the vessel has distribution in there, and the distribution, you know, the valve reverses flow, and the flow comes up, and it literally tosses the media and gets it all nice and clean. Scrubs it? Yeah, kind of, you know, but it really just, it's like the top five inches is really doing all the all the work. So your top, we're talking maybe once a week, mm -hmm. every three days, you know, mm -hmm. it's backwashing a lot. So that's why you can't use a big heavy mineral. So people have engineered lighter. But what happens is when you use a lighter media, there's less manganese dioxide. And then what happens is, you know, it prematurely, you know, it may only last three years instead of five years, but your well pump might not have enough. Boom. So 
there's no free lunch and water mm-hmm. treatment, but you know, manganese dioxide based is that that seems to be the catalyst. That's mm-hmm. what their people are using mostly out there in different forms. And they've made innovations, but one of the big innovation that uh, come in full circle is we mentioned ozone. Wasn't a big fan of ozone. Ozone was very fussy. To make powerful ozone, you have to have clean oxygen and dry oxygen. So what a ozonator does, this is used as a corona discharge, a corona arc, high voltage, in a tube. And this tube, I call it lightning in a bottle, and you basically capture the ozone, but that capturing the ozone creation in years gone by in a wet, damp basement was very difficult to get powerful, enough powerful ozone. It looked great in the laboratory. Wow, Mm -hmm. look look at this. We got this supercharged oxygen. It'll, you know... It'll just cream all this, you know, anything we throw at it, bacteria, iron bacteria, oxidized manganese, iron, sulfur. Wow. But guess what? People set it and they forget it. It's in their basement. And that basement, I don't care who you're at, usually they're a hostile environment. Then if you go south, your humidity is 85 to 99%. It's hard to make ozone, you know, with really bad humidity and but we've in the years have discovered that uh, we could actually draw in oxygen with a specialized control head but it's ambient oxygen but it was enough to have food you know enough well create food is where i'm going it was enough to oxidize the media i mean the iron and refuel your media but you're bringing in basement air you know, uh, and we're, stick with me here. We're going to ozone soon. But so these early pioneers, they would just say, look, I can draw in air. And the air is enough to recharge the media. Isn't that great? Yeah. But I haven't really seen any problems. But you can, if you had iron bacteria, it would really fuel it. And it would turn your tank into this brown, you know, almost like a horror movie slime. <laughs> And it would just, it would be terrible. So what would you do? Well, innovations, electronics, you'll, you'll keep hearing me preach about uh, the innovations in valves. And again, you'll hear me preach that water is a finite chemistry. What's been done to it has been done to it. There's not much more we can, well, there's no magic, you know, someone going to discover like, woo, yeah, we're going to change the structure of water with this magic device. It's just how we use the devices, and what happens is we have wonderful electronics, computer chips that have uh, sped things up and made everything efficient. So guess what? We can now attach an ozonator to clean that basement air, and these ozonators are electronically actuated, and they're very efficient. And they're very compact, just a little two inches wide and about, uh, I'd say, six inches, maybe eight inches tall. And it's just this little ozonator that sits on the top of these valves. What they do is draw in ozone during a cleaning cycle, like a water softener draws in salt. It draws in cleaning ozone. So those oxidizers are extremely popular. 
and they have gained in popularity and they've really revolutionized the industry where ozone once again is in favor because think of it as cleaning the air coming in to the valve and going into the media to be oxidized it's quite an innovation and that's why we're talking about oxidation we've gone through blah 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 you probably fell asleep by now but the treat at the end of this is that ozone again is the darling of oxidation and filtration because there's no messy chemicals peroxide will burn you anything over seven percent you're not allowed to drive it over the road without dot placarding permanganate will stain you chlorine can damage you know mucous membranes you know you breathe it in everybody knows chlorine right then damage your clothes where the oxidation with ozone is it's a much cleaner alternative well then it really is chemical free and denise just uh, pointed out that certain byproducts are chemical remember this action and reaction business i told you about we're coming full circle the action reaction well water can be very dirty they have a lot of organic matter floating in there having a good old time Tannin. Otherwise known as tannins and Tannin. TOC and yeah, TOC, which is colored water and and dead bugs and algaes. You know, the warmer the water, further south you go. Sorry, people. You know, you get better bath water for the bugs. So the ozone has come back in favor with these uh, innovation. Innovations created this little ozonator that cleans your air and uh, supercharges your bed. And it, so it's chemical-free, trihalomethane-free, complex-free, but there's no free lunch. And what you really have to do is have a qualified installer, a qualified person to size the equipment. It's nothing you really could buy on the Internet. I would never suggest anybody to get oxidation filtration equipment on the Internet because you've got to be really good at sizing that. You know, will your well pump have enough oomph? How much iron and sulfur do you have? If you have a lot of iron, five parts per million or more, you create a mud that could have a problem. So um, maybe to, to finish up here, I would say that one the other innovation in valving is you use twin tanks. You say, what do you mean twin tanks? We're alternating tanks. One tank is online and one tank is on standby. And then when one tank goes, ah, it's time for me to backwash, it uses, it borrows the clean water, the filtered water from the standby tank to do the backwashing. Makes sense, right? Why would you use dirty well water to clean, clean your oxidized filter that, you know, you could sludge it up from, the, it's, it's a slow death because you're using bad water to try to clean water, bad water to clean water. So innovations have electronics that allow us to use a secondary tank, just sitting there waiting. And when that tank comes on, it cleans the dirty tank first. Dirty tank gets clean with clean water from the second tank. And the second tank, the clean tank now goes on standby. The other tank services your water. So the standby tank is your online tank and your online tank before is now your standby tank so they alternate one on one off one on one off as the water flow there's an internal water meter and the water meter tells it 
when to backwash. Okay, 2,000 gallons, time to backwash. But when you have really nasty water, it may be worth getting the expense of twinning your systems. You know, I think some there's, there's, there's a lot of brands out there that do it. So a twin tank in bad oxidation, bad situations, iron, really heavy iron, heavy sulfur, it's worth the expense. Okay. So. Well, in case you hadn't noticed, Michael really, really likes this whole ozone thing. It's the yeah. technology's come a long way. I used to hate it. Yeah, he did. He did. But just to, to review a little bit, chlorine does work. These chemical feed pumps with the contact time and tank the contact tank, they work really well. If you're afraid of residual chlorine in your water, you can do you can do something about that too. It, you can follow it up with a carbon filter. It works. Obviously the darling is ozone and it it also works really well. However, it is more costly than the other forms of treatment. And we recommend that you do go to a qualified dealer who will then contact us to help you with your water problems. You know, that does bring up a point with ozone, there's no chemicals to buy. You know, the kids are very expensive. Sure? You know. Now the dealer might hate you for that because he's got recurring revenue. You know, it's, it's gonna well, deliver your peroxide and everything. But in certain instances, ozone's not going to work, and ozone needs to be uh, maintained. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it's a once a year thing. You have to clean your the corona discharge tube and check valves and whatnot. But so it's important that any of these things. It's a delicate. It's, it's oxidation filtration is very very necessary, but it's a delicate balance and it has to be done right. Right, and and there's other recommendations with well water. They want you to get your water tested annually for bacteria, E. coli, all those fun things. This is just one aspect of water treatment that we're talking about here today. And the topic again is oxidation, I guess reduction and then filtration, right? Yeah, oxidation, filtration, oxidation, mm -hmm. reduction, filtration, yeah. yeah. And ways that it can be accomplished. Mm -hmm. So does, do we cover everything, Mike? Yeah, I think we did. I mean, okay. it's a lot to, you know, I could blab on, but I know everybody's captivated. Oh, listening. I am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. my goodness. But again, why we're doing the podcast is to keep people from making any mistakes out there. I mean, just listen to us. If you trust us, I mean, we've been doing this for 30 years and I actually, uh, I'm a technical advisor to people that call in the dealer network um, that get into trouble. So that's what I do. So mm -hmm. when um, you work with our, when you work with our customers, you're working with us. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Michael. All right. Okay. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Bye.